it is so easy to look at what other people are doing and think, well, I'm not that bad. Hmm. And the thing with judgment is we're always using ourselves as the measuring stick. Hmm. We're always measuring people up to how we're doing, how good we're being. Hmm. But if we use the correct measuring stick, <laughs> which is Christ, that's when we realize we're all without excuse and, and we all need to be led to repentance. You're listening to If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast where we talk about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. My name is Tim and I work in Family Life's radio department. My name is Mike and I work in the performing arts and events departments. I'm Tately and I work in the events department. Yay, Tately, it's so good to have you here. You. It's really fun to get to invite new friends. We are going through Romans in this series of episodes really important disclaimer up front is that none of us in this room are pastors. Pretty much we're just a group of believers getting together, reading God's word and talking about what it's making us think of in our lives and in the world around us. If you're a person and you're on this planet at any time, Romans is a book about you and Romans is a book for you. So we'd love to have you join us. All right, last time Paul left us off, kind of ended his chapter with like a list of sins. Doesn't maybe seem like a fun place to be, but Romans has to start off with some bad news to eventually lead us to that good news, which we are getting so much closer to all the time. We're looking at Romans 2 today, and specifically we're kind of going to gravitate around the first 16 verses. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil the Jew first, and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, They are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Well, when I was reading this, um, it, it almost feels like you're picking up right in the middle of somebody's writing yeah surprise that it's a letter and and you are so so to try and get some context i started by reading the the prior 
chapter. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the previous two episodes yet, I'd encourage you to do that. That'd probably give you some great context for it. But Tim, as you were mentioning earlier, Paul is going through this list of all of these sins. And um, the thing that struck me was in his writing, he's he's using the word they a lot. Mm. They do this. These other people do this. They fall here. They sin here. They do this and that. And so I was picturing this church in, in Rome reading this letter. They're reading it to all the, all the new Christians in their congregation. And those, those uh, people there were probably all in agreement. Oh, yeah, those people do that and that's wrong. And they do this and this is wrong. Yep. All these things. And then all of a sudden you get to chapter two and it's like Paul saying, guess what? You're no better than them. You're just as bad. You do the same things, but you have no excuse. Hmm. There's the, this, this chapter to me sort of struck me as it levels the playing field. I know for me, I, I always have a tendency to look, look down on people who I see doing the wrong thing, whether they're Christian or not. And what a great reminder that I, by, by passing judgment on another person, I'm, I'm convicting myself and I have no, I have no excuse. If, if I, if I know Christ as my savior and I have the word of God here, I, I know that, that I do, I, I sin, I, I'm no different from anyone else. And so just that Leveling the playing field was was my initial hmm. thought to this. Yeah, but like that's the thing is when you are we, we've said this before, but when you're reading God's word and you're reading about sinners in God's word, I and mean, we said this just the other uh, time we were together, if you're reading about sinners in God's word, you're reading about yourself, hmm. even if it's not hmm. a sin you struggle with. Which is why I love how in in, in the the previous chapter. You know, it, he spends a lot of time talking about a, a very specific sin. But then at the end, he gives this list and says, by the way, so are all the people who do this sin and that sin and this one and that one. And then you realize, oh, those are sins that we probably all have in common. I like to go back to disobedient to parents. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't do it today, you still fit in that category. Everybody can check that box. <laughs> you better believe you were at one point. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Love it. Uh, at the same time as it hurts, it's like one of those things that's a good hurt to know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Can't let myself off the hook here. Paul's holding me to the standard. Yeah, one that kind of plays off that a little bit is the fact that it is so easy to look at what other people are doing and think, well, I'm not that bad. Hmm. And the thing with judgment is we're always using ourselves as the measuring stick. Hmm. We're always measuring people up to how we're doing, how good we're being. Hmm. But if we use the correct measuring stick, which is Christ, that's when we realize we're all without excuse and, and we all need to be led to repentance. <laughs> yes. Grace, like uh, that, that, just that idea, this, this phrase has stuck with me since it was shared with me here at Family Life by Steve Smith, who you hear on the radio if you've ever listened to the radio of Family Life. He, he said, he didn't take credit for it, he said he got it from a pastor somewhere, to increase your capacity for grace and 
decrease your expectations of people. Hmm. And it's funny because what I'm going to say here is my own way I do this sin that we're talking about, hypocrisy. The only way, my way that I do what you were just talking about. I expect grace from people when I make a mistake, <laughs> but I rarely extend it nearly as much as I expect to receive it myself. And so keeping that little phrase in my mind helps me to be more aware of my tendency to be very stingy with my grace and realize, oh, wait a second, I'm supposed to decrease my expectations of other people, realizing, hey, they're going to fail just like I do, hmm. and increase my capacity to share that grace when, when it's needed. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about what expectations you're decreasing. Because I don't think you're saying don't, don't expect your, your son to ever make his bed without being asked. I don't think those are the types of expectations. Yeah. What, what expectations? When you get cut off in traffic and you want to get mad, like what's, why do we get mad when something happens? Well, it's because we think it shouldn't have happened either to us or we think somebody should have known better. We think mm. they shouldn't have done that. Mm. So it's kind of like that, just being real with yourself about the world we live in. Like, oh, yeah. wait, wait. Maybe sometimes we've said it even on this show as don't expect unbelievers to act like believers. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll amend that right now and say, you know what? Don't always expect believers to act like believers. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's mm -hmm. what we were talking about right here. That's what Paul's talking about is, therefore, you have no excuse. He's not saying, hey, just so you know, if you're tempted to judge other people, I don't know if you would be. But if you were, you wouldn't have an excuse to. He's like, mm, he, 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 <laughs> I think he's kind of assuming that they are judging other people. Uh -huh. Because he's saying, yeah, I, I know I'm right into a church right now. That means I know I'm right into a group of sinners right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I think... With that phrase, I think it's helpful when we're thinking about those expectations as, you know, the expectations, maybe not like, you know, as a teacher, you have to have the expectations for your students to grow. Mm -hmm. As a parent, you have to have expectations for your, your, your children to succeed and, you know, extend that out for anybody who's in sort of a, an authority position. Yeah. I, I have a tendency to quickly quickly assume the worst in somebody if they do something that annoys me or frustrates me and something that I've found to be helpful is just to remember that I don't know their story or where they're at or what their reason was for cutting me off in traffic mm. maybe they need to get to the hospital super quickly because there's some sort of medical emergency I don't I don't know that and so rather than being annoyed or frustrated or angry with them it's been helpful to me to, as a way to do what Paul is saying right here mm. of, of not judging somebody in that situation, of realizing that I only know myself and my own circumstances. I don't know theirs. I don't know why they repeatedly do this. I don't know why they treat me like this. I don't know these things. And that, that's something that I've found to be helpful as I try and live out this passage myself. I was just thinking about how like, we're like, oh yeah, we shouldn't judge. How's that fit into today's society when we live in social media that's completely set up on judging one another through likes? <laughs> like, what a difficult time to not do that when our entire lives are setting up for people to judge us and wow. for people to rate us, basically. Crazy. Like, yeah. And we are rating others and how easy it is to be like, eh.
that's an excellent point. You get right. Yeah. It's and not judgment from sin; it's just judgment in general. Which, which is like what a cultural paradox, right? That we're in a time where they're telling us on one hand, you can't judge anybody. Yeah. How dare you? But then the entire economy of social interactions is built on, is engineered for judgment. Mm -hmm. That's profound. That's, yeah. That's, That's <laughs> something from a little later in the chapter. I I like to think sometimes about this kind of the mystery of the moral unbeliever. Yeah. Wow. Because Paul's talking a lot about the failures of the people who claim to speak for God. But then he has this little bit, Tately, as you were reading, um, where he says, for when Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. What is it? look like for us in the church when the, or what does it look like to the world when they can do the golden rule better than we can? I think it makes me think of how just the fact that God exists and he created everything is evident in nature mm -hmm. and man's without excuse. The, the word of God and the truth of God is so powerful that it's going to shine through anything. Mm. Um, if we don't do it, the rocks will cry out. So, you know, even though they might not be saved or they might not be believers, they're still made in his image. They're still made with his intent and design. And that's going to show through. <laughs> wow. I liked what you, you said about it just, it naturally shines through. It reminds me of a philosophy class that I took, and I won't talk about philosophy because I know I'll get it wrong, <laughs> but the idea that there's not some sort of arbitrary, like each country makes up its own set of rules. Like this country over here says murder is wrong, but this country over here says murder is okay, but mm. this country says murder is this. Okay. Like evidence that there is one, one being overseeing everything so that there, there, there aren't questions about right and wrong. And of course, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that goes into that, especially nowadays with all, all, all of the, the conflicts that we're seeing. But from the foundational essence of right and wrong, I think that most people would, would say that murdering somebody is wrong. Mm. And where does that come from? And, and I think that goes back to this moral you don't have to be a Christian to know the difference between right and wrong. You don't have to be a, a Christian to be moral. Mm. In fact, oftentimes there are people who are very moral and very good people who aren't Christians. As the body of Christ, oughtn't we be those people who are so gracious and forgiving and patient mm. rather than people who don't know Christ? Here's a not a pastor moment, okay? This is me asking a totally sincere question. I'm not trying to lead to an answer I have in my head. Jesus. This is 
That was Mike's pastor <laughs> moment. He had the answer ready. Seriously, though, could you could you be more moral? Could you be more ethical in your behavior, more moral as an unbeliever than a believer? Like, because salvation, we know, is not because we do more good things than the rest of the world. We already right. know that. We already yeah. know as Christians, we're not saved because we do better things than the rest of the world. That's like the whole mm-hmm. point to what we're going to talk about when we talk about salvation by grace through faith. But does that mean that somebody could live a life that, you know, on the whole has more moral actions, more good deeds in it than a given Christian? I would say once again, your answer depends on what measuring stick are you using mm. by world standards, by human standards? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely they could. But does Christ look at us and see our good deeds and our moral character or does he see if Christ is in us? Hmm. So by worldly standards, absolutely. But that doesn't mean they don't need salvation. Mm-hmm. I like that. I would say ideally the Christian's changed heart should result in more in, in a better lived life than that of the unbeliever. But if that's not, yeah. Hmm. Paraphrasing a thought from C.S. Lewis, in mere Christianity, I believe it's when he's saying, you know, somebody might say, oh, Christians, I know somebody who's a Christian and she's like super grumpy and rude. Like I know know unbelievers who are more pleasant than she is. Mm -hmm. And he pretty much has this thing he says of like, yes, but how much worse would she be if she weren't a Christian? Like, you don't know what she started with. That's a great question. You don't know what God's working with in her heart. You don't know how far along he's gotten her. Just this whole thing, looking at believers and unbelievers and our righteousness and our sin, um, something made me think of what my mom said to me a lot growing up, like a lot, more than she should have had to. (laughs) She said, don't say you're sorry unless you mean it. Like Hmm. saying sorry means you won't do it again. Those two words, those two phrases went together a lot. And chapter two, verse four, that's me hearing that from my mom. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Like saying, sorry, mom, I did that. It's like, Timmy, she's calling me Timmy. Don't say you're sorry unless you mean it. Sorry means you won't do it again. But am I presuming on my mom's riches of kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that when she extends grace to me as a mom, it's to get me to change. It's like, how often do I do that in my relationship with God? Like, Hey, God, I'm sorry, but I know about that Jesus thing, right? So I'm forgiven. Yeah, I'm good. We're good. good to go. We're tight, right? And he's like, you realize that this is not like a vending machine of forgiveness. It exists for repentance. And I mean, we know about repentance. It means mm-hmm. turning around, walking away from our sin, not doing the same thing again. So if I had to pick a verse from here that was like, that speaks to something I've been through, something I've done and something I need to hear. I think it's I think it's that one. Hmm. I was reading some of the study notes in my Bible and, and talking about that verse, our tendency to to mistake God's patience for sort of his his. Maybe not blessing, but, well, nothing bad happened to me. So it I'll just keep doing it because there's grace because I can. I can do that over and over again. 
And um, I just jotted down real quick, God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance, which is what the verse says, not excuses. It, Ooh. It just, I don't know. I thought how, how interesting that so, so often when I mess up and do something, in the back of my mind, I can think, well, it's not that big of a deal because, you know, Jesus died for that sin. And, mm. But do I forget to take those things so seriously knowing that, that that's not an excuse for me to do whatever I want? That his patience is gracious to me that I don't get what I deserve right now. That that that's already been paid for in Christ and and that how how do I then live my life based on that? I had a thought when you were talking and it's not so much about like inward. I mean, yes, we do need to constantly be looking inward and whatnot, but even just like outwardly, um, we are not to judge others. But I think in today's culture, we run the risk of going so far the other way of um, glorifying tolerance and acceptance mm. hmm. and you know we want we're, we're striving so much to be such a tolerant society and we're not to judge but identifying something as sin is not always judgment hmm. sin hmm. is still sin mm-hmm. <laughs> the truth that is yeah. it that that's that's it right there wow <laughs> i think both of you have read the end of the book if i had have to guess i think you guys have Knuck ahead and read it because I heard you both talking about like Jesus and stuff, and we haven't got. He's not in this this chapter yet, so <laughs> I think you guys. It's I think you guys know where this book is going. <laughs> it is so much fun getting to go through the Book of Romans together. Like it's a treat. It's just this book where you look at it and it doesn't feel like this ancient, dusty old document. It's like it speaks right to where we're at, and. Guys, that good news is like just right around the corner. Next chapter, we're going to be looking at some of our favorite verses Some of what when we really get to see how Jesus steps into this whole salvation by grace thing. And so I'm just super excited to keep going along this, this journey with you all. And also to you who is listening, uh, we would be thrilled if you wanted to be going through the book of Romans too. And let us know in the comments what you're seeing from God's word and what you're learning and ways that his word is making a difference in your life because it's going to make a difference in any of our lives as long as we allow it that space. Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.